Shot late what? Thank you. Uh, Ian, hey, uh, how's it going there? It's going fine. Okay, great. Um, Ian, uh, I've noticed you're, you're making some mouth sounds. Uh, I thought maybe it was just a feature for the intro, but now it's it's just something you're you're doing. Huh? Oh, oh, you know what must be, John? So, uh, today, um, I actually have to use my sort of backup recording setup, which is a headset, and so the mic is closer to my mouth, so I think it's just capturing these sort of natural mouth sounds I'm always making. Um, well, uh, so, a funny thing about that, Ian, uh, kind of two counterpoints to that, in fact. Mm -hmm. Uh, the first counterpoint is that, uh, as always, we have Skype open, and so I can sort of see what you're doing with your mouth, and I see a lot more mouth movements than normal. Um, the second counterpoint is you actually don't need to worry about trying to create noise with your mouth, uh, because when we were just sort of talking before we started recording, I was getting quite a bit of, uh, of breathing sounds anyway, so I'm sure that's going to be corrupting our recording as it is. So. Okay, no so you're saying I can... Be, no need to concern yourself there. No matter what I do, sort of, this is going to be unpleasant to listen to. Yeah, exactly. Okay, exactly. great. So, John, it feels like only yesterday that we were recording an episode of Well, Ian, ASMR that is entirely false. Ian, it was, it was three days ago, I believe. Oh, but it feels like yesterday, John. Ian, you're off by two days. Well, <laughs> I said it feels like yesterday. It's, that, it's not that outrageous to say something felt like yesterday when it actually happened three days ago. In fact, I would say that's a, that's a smaller window than expected to have something happen if you say that it feels like yesterday when X occurred. Well, I just want the, the listeners to know that whatever it may feel like to you, the fact of the matter is, I really feel like you were slurping intentionally there. <laughs> Here's the thing, John. I'm sort of leaving you a fun game, where since I send you my sound separately, like you're going to sort of have to edit all those slurps and breaths and such out. <laughs> and you... Give me far too much credit. I am. There's no way I'm doing that. Uh, we'll see. I'm hoping that the uh, that your bre- your breathing will just sort of be caught by the the standard uh, background noise editing that I run. Um, but I'm I'm not gonna go through and find all of the slurps. <laughs> so well, those are those are definitely stay, uh, staying in. Okay, sounds good. Yeah. So. Um, John, here we are. Yeah. It's the ASMR go. Quest podcast. That's true. What's up? Second best podcast in the world about ASMR. Second best. Soon to be first best, I would say. Wow. I've got my eyes That's on the exciting. prize. Mm-hmm. Well, we're, John, we're taking some big steps forward today, I think. That's true. That's true. So we we took... Um, wait, just a second. Oh, fuck. Closed my email. <laughs> uh, we <laughs> oh. took... Oh fuck! Can't believe you've done this. Um, so we, we we took the advice of uh, of our our good friend and uh, longtime listener, first time writer, uh, Greenwild. That's right. I remembered the name off the top of my head. Didn't That's have to look it up or anything. We took the advice of Greenwild, uh, longtime listener, first time caller. And we are uh, we're gonna try to not do ASMR videos for our main quest every time, uh, and 
Uh, this is one of those times where we are not going to be doing an ASMR video for our main quest. We are, in fact, going to be talking about ASMR, which is also a little bit unusual for this podcast. <laughs> um, and I've also got, like, a bunch of other exciting, fun ideas that I kind of want to explore and check try out, um, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spoil those quite yet. Okay. Um, but, yeah, quite, quite a few things related to ASMR that are not videos that I would like to check out, and I think that could be pretty fun. Um, so, so for, for the indulgence corner this week, I'm not really gonna, I'm not gonna waste everyone's time by individually going through our various Sochmeads channels, um, and our iTunes reviews and all that, and letting everyone know what the individual updates are, because it, it hasn't been very long, and I think based on sort of past performance, our listeners can probably deduce that there's nothing exciting from any of those channels in the three days since we last recorded. And mm-hmm. they would be correct. Uh, so, as always, um, dear listener, we're going to be reading the article, The Seven Secrets to a Successful Podcast <laughs> by Yaro Stark. And this is on <laughs> entrepreneursjourney.com, <laughs> which I just want to say, I've, I've only just now realized the motto of which is, live the laptop lifestyle. <laughs> so that's I, I want I want us all to just take a moment and just just think what does the laptop lifestyle mean to I, us? So this is a a blog, right? That you you, mm-hmm. you said or a site that like tells you how to be a blogger. Mm-hmm. Well, it is. I think it's also, a it's a site which is mostly a blog that is about how to. It's like it seems like it's mostly about blogging, but it's also about I don't know. Yeah, probably mostly. Okay, so then the laptop lifestyle, 100%, no doubt in my mind, is taking your MacBook to the local most pretentious cafe and just hanging out there all day, uh, drinking your your coffee and just doing uh, sort of pretentious intellectual, well, no, uh, pretentious pseudo-intellectual things on your MacBook. Hmm. Yeah, that's probably, that's one way to interpret it. The way that I'm seeing... No, the, I think that is the only way to interpret it. That is the main way to interpret it. I'm going to offer an alternative interpretation, and you'll just, you tell me how it, how it sounds to you. This is maybe a, a more, a slightly more absurd interpretation. When no, I well, I do like that. Live the laptop lifestyle. There's something about that that makes me think of those various um, images I've seen of people living in developing nations... Where they receive these, like, these sort of old, outdated laptops, like these big, clunky silver guys. Okay. And so I'm just imagining, um, somebody in, like, a, a, a desperately poor village with a laptop. Um, and, you know, maybe they're, they're sort of using those, like, those, um, phone internet things to, to connect to the internet. And they're using it to go onto entrepreneursjourney.com to learn how to be a successful blogger. <laughs> Because, <laughs> John, that is, I think, so many, so often, um, people who focus on, um, you know, like, community development and stuff, they fail to see this important path to success and prosperity for developing um, nations, and that's blogging. I think that, really, that's the way that, in the future, we're going to see... Um, 
these various very poor rural areas lift themselves out of poverty by sort of starting a series of self-help blogs and podcasts and maybe even one-on-one success coaching. Uh, reading, like, an article about, not their developing nation, but the developing nation next door, um, and then telling everyone they meet at every party they go to for the next year about it. Yeah, sort of, maybe... Uh, in, like, a very holier-than-thou sort of manner. I mean, here's the important thing, John. You gotta think, there are all yeah. those people who go to these developing nations on, like, these one-week volunteer things. And it's basically life just... Life-changing. It's so, so they can get, you know, pictures for their Instagram and Facebook and whatnot. Yep. Mm-hmm. These people yep. have an unlimited source of those photos just at hand. <laughs> and so I think... <laughs> That this is a massive opportunity for them to build social capital, and from social capital, actual capital. (laughs) So that's sort of my take on the laptop lifestyle. (laughs) I gotcha there. You really did. I I can't I, I can't build on that. That's just you put it all out there. I well, listeners, thank you for tuning in. <laughs> thank you for tuning in. No, 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 John. We haven't even gotten to the Indulgences Corner. That was just the introduction to the Indulgences Corner. I don't think the Indulgences Corner is gonna live up to the introduction. Um probably not. Well, but this is the number one secret, John. The number one secret to a successful podcast. Yeah, okay. So are you ready? Well, are you taking notes? Um taking notes. I uncapped my pen and my pen cap has fallen off my table onto my chair, but I am ready to go. Okay. John, you must own your podcast. This one comes straight from the king of podcasting, Paul Cooligan. You must own the domain name of your podcast. Check. Bankroll the hosting of your podcast. I guess check, because it's free? Own the RSS feed of your podcast. Questionable. Own your podcast copyright. Also, We do not have a copyright. <laughs> oh, no. I remember we had talked about that before we released it. We said, uh, well, it's, it, so we, we, well, yeah, because we like really wanted to just like get it out there. Because I think it was like the last week of the month and I'd already signed up for our podcast hosting service. And I was like, oh shit, we have four episodes the last week of the month. We can get them all out this week. Uh, and like, we were running out of time. And so we said, we're going to just ignore the copyright this week so that we can figure it out for the next week. Um, and that was back in February, I think. Uh, it is now July. Um, and we... Have not like even mentioned the copyright since then. Yeah, on the bright side, I don't think it's really been an issue though. This number one secret does provide um, sort of links to help you um, sort of deal with all these issues. Mm-hmm. So there's apparently a service, Prove My Copyright, to make sure your online copyright is protected. So uh, I, I think the the biggest thing that confused me about copyright is I, I don't understand like what what actions I have to take to have a copyright. Like, do I have to fill out some form? Do I have to have some sort of, like, legal document type thing? Like, associated, just, like, sort of posted with every podcast episode? Or do I simply just say, like, this is mine. Can't have it. Um, 
I do not know. I from what like, like, I do understand, I have to file something. Even, like some official. If you like, if you put some sort of boilerplate statement with things that you release, I don't know. Like you can say like this is released as like a the something like a open creative license or whatever. Okay. Um, I think that sometimes maybe works. But also, I'm not sure that anybody really knows. And are we afraid of someone <laughs> stealing our podcast? No, definitely not. Like, I feel like the absolute worst case scenario would be if, like, some person I hated or, like, some entity that I hated just started sort of, like, incorporating entire episodes into, like, something that they were releasing and forcing people to pay for. But even then, like, other people would then know about our podcast. We'd have more than five listeners, and uh, if they enjoyed it, they'd probably, like, seek us out. So, I don't really, I don't think there's really any, like, I don't know what we have to lose here at this point. Maybe yeah, we're, we're a successful sort of, we're, podcast. we're hungry, John, right? We're hungry. Um, yeah. But we're, we're scrapping. We got nothing to lose. So that's the number one secret. We must own our podcast. Are we sort of living up to that secret? Um, it seems like the answer, so the, the, first off, we definitely own the domain name. Our, the hosting, I think, is taken well, care so of. So we sort of own the domain name. Um, in that you own several domain names that I'll redirect to the just sort of like. Well, but the official domain name is neopets2.com. Uh, well, it's it's not really, uh, but we we could make it that for I yeah we could we could do that maybe we should we could also make it asmrquest.com, which would probably be a more sensible um, official domain name. Well, um, we can talk about that off air. Um, okay, yeah. So the hosting sure. is um, taken care of. The RSS feed, I don't, I don't, I don't know. And the podcast copyright we don't care about. So we're we're doing good. I think that we have met the first like, secret to success. We we sort of I guess we own the RSS feed. I don't know what they mean by that. Like like I'm using tools that we're paying for to set it up. It's not like, like I didn't code it all myself because that sounds way too much like work. Um but like we have a whole bunch of settings that we can change and I don't know. I guess we nice. do. There we go. So we are Great. doing good. We have we have achieved the first secret. It's funny. I just wanted to sort of at the end of the indulgences corner talk mm-hmm. about the fact that that's a secret to podcast success. <laughs> um, I don't know that one. I'm not sure what parts of that are sort of a secret. But who knows? Yeah, maybe that's you know. I guess I wouldn't have thought about the RSS feed component. That was sort of a secret. And we're it's still kind of a secret. As is the copyright part. Yeah, the copyright is really certainly unsure about both of those things. Mm-hmm. So that's great. Well, we've learned a lot this week, and I'm sure we'll learn a lot next week as well. Mm-hmm. So thank you, whoever wrote that article. Okay. And let's go on to the side quests. All right, sounds good. Um, so for side quests this week, um, I only have one side quest that I want to bring up. Uh, you know, because we we did record uh, so recently. Um, uh, so that is, I've been, I've watched, um, I've been watching Nobody Can Across It with a K, uh, a bunch of times recently. I've been watching that a lot recently. Um, excuse me. Uh, when when I say with a K, I mean, uh, nobody, canna, canna with a K, cross it with a C. 
the, the cross with the C. Uh, as opposed to the, I believe, more well-known video, uh, Nobody Can Across It with a C for both Canna and Cross. So I've got no earthly idea what you're talking about. I'm going to have to uh, look well, this so stuff th- up. This is um, uh, not, in fact, an ASMR video, but something I wanted to to bring up anyway, because I've watched it a lot recently. Nobody uh, Canna... Nobody can so there's nobody can across it, and nobody can across it with a K. That's yeah. what you're telling me. Um, so nobody yeah. can so, across so, it is a. Is it, what I'm seeing, I'm going to sort of give it my live reaction. Um, this is the one posted by Loliconics. Uh, yes, yes. Okay, so no, I believe you. You have seen this video before, given that the first time I saw it, you you were in the room at the time. Okay, that's true. But I, I was sleepy at the time. Ian, that's a preposterous claim. That's so true. Uh, so there's, I mean, it, it appears to be the um, music to Nobody Can Across It with with C's, except this has um, sort of Ponyo characters on it. Oh, Ponyo, is that who it is? Yeah. So, so I'm sort of well, some to explain of it is. There my... might be parts of it that aren't Ponyo, but some of this okay. is definitely Ponyo. Oh, yeah, this is... There's some parts of it that are not Ponyo. Okay. Uh, well, so, um, you're, you're cutting out a little bit, so I can't really understand you all that well. So I'm just going to quickly sort of give my my take of this video and then hope that I can hear you again by the time I'm done. Uh, so, so this is a... So, this is a video um, which takes the audio from what a lot of users may remember as being a pretty big phenomenon back in the day of uh, just sort of doing, like, musical remixes of news clips. Um, so it takes one of those as the audio component, and then just adds a lot of sort of um, anime nonsense in the background. Just a lot of clips from different anime stuff. And uh, it's... The, so I, I'm not really a, a huge anime fan, and I think there's a lot of sort of clever jokes in this video that are lost on me. But I, I really enjoy it anyway, because the the music... Again, from just a, one of those dumb remixes of a news clip is shockingly good. Like it, like it, it, it seems like it could be a real song, and I really like it. And then I also like the video because it's got this girl whose name I believe is Kana with a K, uh, who is from some anime that I have not watched, and she is just going on a fucking adventure, and it's just delightful to watch. So I've watched that a bunch recently, and um, I just wanted to share that with our listeners. Well, thank you, John. That's that's very meaningful. Um, so I've got sort of two side quests this week, mm-hmm. and one of them I guess could have been a side quest last week because that's when it was more relevant. But I'm going to bring it up now, and also it does sort of connect in nicely with nobody can across it with a K. And the side quest that I want to talk about is the anime Your Lion April, which is an anime that I watched um, recently. Okay. I liked it. You know, it had it had I would say no ASMR components to it. Okay, um, similar to my uh, side quest. Mm-hmm. Also similar in that it was an anime. Um, this mm-hmm. one was not um, necessarily just a bunch of anime clips over um, a sort of news music compilation. <laughs> um, although I, I can't rule that one out for sure. Um, that might have been what it is, and I was just sort of misinterpreting it as a sort of coherent plot. Um, but it was about a 
a young man who plays the piano and and sort of loses the ability to play after his mother dies and the story of how two years later he regains the ability through a budding romance with with a um, interesting woman that he meets. And I just thought it was very nice. It's all about sort of classical piano um, and the classic the classical piano scene in Japan. Um, and as a result of having watched that anime, I now find myself at work listening to a lot of classical piano. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, it I was... haven't listened to much classical piano, but I feel like I get into it. Yeah, it's very it's nice music nice. to work to. Makes sense. Because mm-hmm. it's sort of there in the background. There's nothing that sort of forces itself upon you. But it can be very emotional music. Hmm. I find myself often like, a, I'll be able to tell, even if I'm not paying attention at all to the music, like when it's a, a new sort of composition or something, because you start feeling different. Interesting. Yeah. I'll have to try it out. Mm-hmm. My other side quest is actually sort Whoa. of related to ASMR. Whoa. Where I, I watched a an unintentional ASMR video. Oh, what And was this it? was Masters of the Fountain Pen, Harumi Tanaka. And this is oh, a... That sounds really cool. Yeah, that's a video by Michael T. Shoe Studios, who has a bunch of these um, Masters of the Fountain Pen. And I was turned on to this by a comment on the ASMR subreddit, which I've I've started browsing. Oh, I should check that out sometime. Yeah, about... Seems like it'd be relevant to our podcast. It would be. I actually think that it might be something that would be interesting to sort of go into weekly, a little weekly roundup of the happenings on there. Perhaps. Um, but anyway, so there's a, a We should also on... maybe just start spamming episodes of our podcast on the Reddit. Oh, that sounds uh, like a great... Listen. Yeah, that sounds like a great um, sort of way to... We should definitely, um, like, pretend to not be the people who make it, though. Mm-hmm. Just sort of come at it like, uh, oh, I just uh, just found this great this... podcast about ASMR. Yeah, it's a great podcast. It seems great. I, you should all check it out. Yeah. I really enjoy it. I think that um, for us to do that, first we're going to need to record an episode of the podcast where we sort of go straight into the ASMR content just to trick them. Mm. That's going to be tricky. I don't know if that's worth it. Yeah, but... it'll be tough. We'll yeah, see. Maybe... We'll have to think it. We'll see. So yeah. this video, Master of the Fountain Pen, Harumi Tanaka... It mm-hmm. is, I guess it's, it follows a particular style of Japanese documentary, which is very much focused on the, I don't know, sort of like actual actions of some craft, as opposed to telling a narrative about that craft. So there's absolutely okay. minimal voiceover. It's 15 minutes long. It's mostly just um, a video of this guy making a fountain pen. And it's interesting. It's a, it's a. Oh, making a fountain pen. Yeah, he's making a fountain pen. I was under the impression it would be about, like, using a fountain pen and, like, writing nice calligraphy or something, but it's making it interesting. No, from what I can tell, he doesn't actually have very good handwriting. At least a little (laughs) bit of writing he did at the end did not look particularly fancy. But yeah, he just, he just makes this sort of beautiful fountain pen from some celluloid and, like, a horn or something. Huh. Yeah, it's interesting. It is interesting. Yeah, I'll have to check that out at some point. Sounds cool. Yeah, not sure that it would really be that good for, like, ASMR content. Um, I don't know. It doesn't seem like there was that many in the way of ASMR elements to it. But it was certainly fun to watch. I liked it. Alright. Cool. Uh, so are you ready to move on to the main quest, then? Oh, I'm ready to move on to the main quest, John. Oh, how exciting. 
Um, so, listeners... Uh, oh, wait, actually, before we move on to the main quest, sorry to derail us, um, I did want to do a quick uh, check-in with our with our daily. Um, I feel like that should be sort of tacked on to the, the side quest mm-hmm. rather than the main quest. Um, so I, I did watch the, the, the daily again. Um, not super effective for me this week. Uh, there were a couple of moments where, like, I got a little bit of, uh, sort of, of an ASMR experience from it. Uh, again, uh, just in case anyone has forgotten, I'm referring to, to me, uh, ASMR, dancing person, trigger therapy, dancing person, ear to ear, forward slash stretching, forward slash massaging, forward slash counting by Gentle Whispering ASMR, our, our daily. You gotta check in and, uh, do your daily watch the video um and yeah so um i i did enjoy it once again um mo- did not didn't experience asmr for the most part but there were a few m- moments where i did experience it uh mostly i was just falling asleep while watching it though huh. so listeners uh just because I, i'm not sure how cleanly or how clean the cut or the edit is going to be. I just want to kind of let you in on what happened. Um, Ian and I just went on like a 20 or 30 minute tangent about um, a fidget spinner anime, sort of coming up with a, a pilot for it. Um, and we feel that that's probably not going to be best to include in this episode, this sort of episode where we're making an attempt at... Uh, talking about ASMR. Um, so I'm going to cut that out and it will, it, it will be released um, at some undetermined date, possibly the same day as this episode, or possibly uh, we'll just hold on to it for some time when we can't record for whatever reason, or maybe we'll use it for some other special case. We haven't decided yet, but in any case, um, just in case I, I can't make a, a clean edit, I wanted to let you know mm-hmm. what happened. Um, but now we're going to go into our main quest. Okay, before we do that, I just want to bring in a brief diversion, John. <laughs> which is, as I was sort of closing the tabs from our past diversion, I came across um, Facebook. And the first thing that I saw on Facebook was actually an Upworthy video. And oh, this God. Upworthy video... Um, no, so it's not, it's not going where you think it's going, necessarily. It's a video about um, a virtual reality product that some company is making... It's basically designed to allow immigrants to um, look at, like, sort of their old home and maybe do video chats with people. Um, oh, just the idea cool. of, like, you know, uh, if you if you can't go back home because of legal reasons or financial reasons, just being able to sort of be there virtually. Which I think is a cool idea. But there's a moment yeah. in it that I love, which is a sort of smiling... Um, family uh, looking at a computer with this big text over what if you could never go home <laughs> um and it's like you know what if you what if you could never go home so you're gonna have these virtual visits but it sounded threatening to me and now <laughs> also like the smiling family yeah, what like, if you could never go home a little out of place so now i'm sort of imagining a situation where you have a kidnapper sort of saw style um, but instead of having those weird videos with, like, the little puppet and stuff, um, it is uh-huh. Upworthy videos that he uses to communicate with his victims. <laughs> it also just seems, like, weirdly cheery. It was. Like, like it's threatening and cheery. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a weird vibe for what if you could never go what home. What if you could never go home is just 
what I sort of want to leave you with um, in this diversion. <laughs> I'm just looking at the frame again. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna send you a picture of this. Okay. Uh, maybe I'll tweet it out so that the listeners can see how it. I, how do I do it? Um. So, uh, while while you're doing that, um, before we get to the main quest, I just wanted to say... There we go. Hey! What a wonderful kind of day! (laughs) We can learn to work and play. Thank God that we've we've gone from one diversion to an important part of (laughs) the core component of this podcast. We're checking in with Arthur! So what's the theme today, John? what kind of important life lessons we can learn from our good pal, Arthur. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep this pretty short this time. Um, I think this time, rather than focusing sort of on the lyrics, I just want to focus a little bit on the on the the musicality mm-hmm. of this uh, this banger created by Ziggy Marley. Um, so I think really this is just sort of like a, a nice like it's just got like a fun positive tune, and I think you can just sort of take that fun positive tune or that fun positive energy that this tune provides into your daily life, um, we're all, you're just going to have a better, you're just going to have a good day. Hmm. Um, that's really kind of what I want to want to share this week. I feel like it'd be fun so. to sort of make comments and poke fun at the different, the different like musical arrangements and how they sort of lead into the, um, the sort of overall message of the show. But I, I don't have like the vocabulary to talk about that. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna move on. It's Ziggy Marley. Like it, it's, of course it's good. What are you talking about? Well, name one other song that Ziggy Barley's made, and I, I want you to do it right now, and I don't want you to look at your computer. I believe it's th- uh, Three Little Birds was Ziggy Marley. Let me check. Oh, shit. Well, I, I'm, I'm being shown up here. I. Um. Yep. Three Little Birds. Wow. Ziggy Marley. Well, shit. He's Bob Marley's son. Obviously, he doesn't have like as many super famous songs as Bob Marley. Bob Marley's um, son like, made the song he's... for Arthur? Yeah! That's what I was, that's what I'm talking about. Like, like, I mean, he's like a successful musician in his own right. Um, obviously not as famous as Bob Marley, not as many, uh, like classic songs, but like he, he's a very good musician. Huh. Um, and he wrote, he wrote the song for Arthur. So yeah, when I first realized that he had written it, I was like, whoa, I was very excited. Huh. Made it, made sense why it was such a good song. Well, there we go. Yeah. You thought we were just wasting time all this time, but no, we've been talking about the the words and music of of Ziggy Marley. That's that's something. I mean, it's 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 a it's someone who's related to a famous person. <laughs> He's also a famous person himself. Well, let's dig into that one a little bit, John. Um, and if you listen to Three Little Birds, you will definitely recognize. Okay, it. he's got some Hold other on. Let's let's too. just quickly Three Little Birds. Um, you're probably right. There are plenty of songs yeah. that. Well, let's hold do on. Three Little Birds record. does seem to be a let's Bob Marley song. Does appear to be by the Big Bobo himself. Okay. Well, Ziggy Marley has a very famous rendition of it. I'm just saying. I looked up Three but, Little Birds. It is. Let, a, let's move on to the main. Okay. Class. Let's move on now, John. Let's. It's, it's now that the sort of the worm turns. Well, not no. I was trying to move on before the worm turned because I realized we were wasting time yet again. <laughs> so true. So the main quest this week was not an ASMR video, nor That's right. was it a video about ASMR. It was instead. Nor was it a ASMR from the rescuers down John, under. I was, no, I was this purposely is a very making that reference ASMR. vague enough that people wouldn't understand. 
that it was a reference. Well, I was now, making, purposely making that reference not vague enough that people maybe still wouldn't they recognize won't understand it, it. But now they'll know that they they're still not understanding understand something it. instead of it being a hidden joke, John. <laughs> Great. Um, so this today um, we were actually took a survey by ASMR University, the ASMR Research Project. That's so true. you want to tell me, John, because you were the one who proposed it. Do you want to tell me how you came across this survey? Um, well, uh, as you may recall from several episodes ago, when I first discovered that we uh, perhaps were not the world's best podcast about ASMR, um, the particular example I came up with was uh, ASMR University, uh, which because uh, their podcast specifically, uh, which I had discovered. Um, and so after receiving that email from Green Wild, uh, requesting that we talk less about ASMR videos and more about ASMR. Which uh, so far in this episode, we've really lived up to one point. half of that. We have talked less <laughs> about ASMR videos. <laughs> um, I, I thought that uh, ASMR University would be a good place to start, because they seem to have quite a few, um, or quite a bit of content on their website. A lot more than pretty much any other um, ASMR website that I've come across. Uh, they've got links to a bunch of different articles, uh, they've got a podcast, they've got a couple different um, things that they've just written for the website... Uh, and so, while while exploring this website to see what would possibly be a good topic for this week, um, I discovered that they had a ASMR research project that they were working on, uh, and a survey, or, which is essentially just a, a survey that they are conducting, uh, and then they will be writing a paper uh, about the results of the survey. And so, I thought it'd be interesting to to take the survey and uh, talk about that a little bit. Nice. Um, so this is a survey um, that actually any of our listeners could – In case I'm sorry. One of my tabs is making music right now. I've, I'm furious about it. There we go. It's fixed. Um, any of our listeners could partake in. It's just a sort of public thing hosted on SurveyMonkey. Um, yep. And hey, I'll, I'll tweet out a link and also probably include it in the description of the podcast. I'll make sure people can find it if they're interested. Nice. So this survey, it's, it's actually, apparently, it's, it's just, you know, collecting a bunch of data to sort of ask some questions about, um, the demographics of people with ASMR and a few other things that I'll comment on in a bit. Um, it's being proposed by three researchers, mm-hmm. or, I don't know, uh, at least two. Well, there's, so there, it's, um, proposed by what, um, actually, by, Carissa, uh, Carissa Burnett, Burnett, the, um, uh, yeah. A member of ASMRresearch.org. Uh, yeah, she is a graduate student um, at the Fuller School of Psychology. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jennifer Allen, who uh, listeners may remember, is uh, are, as the the woman who coined the term uh, autonomous sensory meridian response. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, according to Wikipedia, or at least at the time, was a cybersecurity professional living in upstate New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe she is now living in. Uh, Mid-state Vermont. Wow. Uh, according to something I saw. <laughs> yeah, that was, um, Actually, the, well, it was on the, uh, the survey thing. It was. Right. Well, yeah, that, she's right. the associate manager at Allscripts in South Burlington. Right. Which, actually, I don't, I don't know where South Burlington would be. South of Burlington. I know, or, yeah. 
I don't know. I guess that maybe that would be upstate Vermont rather than midstate uh, Vermont. Is it? I don't, I don't know. I I don't think it's particularly upstate. Um, but I also don't know Vermont all that well. And the last member of this sort of star-studded um, research panel is Craig A. H. Richardson, Ph.D., who is the founder of ASMR University and is actually a professor at Shenandoah University, which sort of surprised uh, me. I, I think probably upstate Vermont. Okay. Uh, just a, a quick update for all of our listeners who I'm sure were uh, really invested in finding out <laughs> how far north Burlington was. Actually, I only looked up Burlington. I did not look up South Burlington. So perhaps South Burlington is not, in fact, part of or bordering Burlington. Uh, but I, I find that, that that's probably very unlikely. Oh, no, found it. It is actually um, south uh, southeast of Burlington. Hmm. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, and southish. <laughs> south and southeast. Uh, yeah, I would say upstate Vermont. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, for everyone who is really curious as to what Jennifer Allen was up to, where she's living, I would say upstate Vermont. Mm-hmm. And they, for this survey, they do have an IRB, um, which is sort of the the research thing that you need to conduct anything with that involves some um, personal data or yeah, interaction they, with humans. They got their certifications such as it's legit yeah it's interesting as as the astute listener may recall i am actually a researcher i am a graduate student myself and so i feel like i'm sort of at home here yeah also i will say carissa (laughs) a burnett um listing that you have a ba i don't know uh maybe it's different in psychology and cs that that'd be maybe a little gauche you typically wouldn't list any credentials you have under a master's. Hmm. It's just like, you know, what's the point? It does say she's a graduate student. Yeah, so she would definitely say that you're a graduate student, but you wouldn't be like, you know, you wouldn't introduce yourself as Carissa A. Burnett, B.A., right? Hmm. You would typically only add in the, um, the sort of letters if it's a professional or graduate degree. But anyway... Because then what about poor Jennifer L. Allen, who, you know, about, she might have a, a bachelor's degree, but now she just looks uneducated. Um, I don't even know where we are. I assume you have the survey. Yeah, so I've got the survey open. Um, it starts off with the standard, uh, I've already taken the are survey. you 18 years of age or older, and you consent to participate in this survey? Uh, just one quick little um, fun speed strat for the listeners who are trying to finish this as soon as possible. <laughs> if you hit no, and... Um, <laughs> it just takes me to the end of the survey. Thanks for taking this survey. And I actually so you're trying to speed run this. Yeah, and I actually did get a. It got it sent me to a screen that says, "Hey, you're pretty good at this." Um, and then it tries to sort of recruit me to take more surveys on Survey Monkey. Um, <laughs> so I was pleased by that. Oh, also, one thing is um, on the on the sort of page um, you can go to access the survey. They have a timeline of um, updates, and this was launched 2014. Yes. And actually, upcoming in August, um, they're going to be presenting some of the preliminary data at an international conference, the Royal Geographical yeah, Society London, so, Annual uh, Conference. So, if any of our uh, listeners are able to get to the Royal Geographical Society Annual Conference in London. Um, 
that you could check this out. Yeah. Uh, I was kind of, uh, as I was reading through it, I saw that they had presented the preliminary data a number of times uh, in both 2016 and 2017, and was really hoping that they would have an upcoming um, uh, presentation somewhere uh, that would be sort of achievable for me to visit. Um, London is not super convenient for me. Uh, so I'm hoping maybe someday they will do something a little closer to where I live. And, uh, cause I, I would love to, um, go to a presentation like that. I think it would be pretty interesting, both for me personally and, uh, I'm sure I'd have a lot to talk about on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but unfortunately, I, I am not going to be able to make it to London for August 29th through September 1st. Oh, no. Well, that's too bad. I'm actually going to be on vacation that time, so I'm not going to be able to make it. Damn. Either. So, if you decide to take the slow strat for this survey, instead of just saying no, <laughs> and terminating <laughs> it, um, it has a, it, you know, starts off with a sort of standard question, how did you learn about this, just looking at sort of future networking effects. And then it goes into something which is sort of interesting, I think. Um, I mean, what did you think about the next five questions, questions three through seven? I don't have them in front of me at the moment, um, so I, you're going to have to refresh my memory on exactly which ones. Select the pair on. of terms that best describe you, and then there's a, a oh, series right, of okay, that... yeah. So yeah, it had a bunch of questions on terms that best describe you. Uh, I found those to be very difficult because um, it's a very uh, subjective sort of self-reporting, and any type of subjective self-reporting, I always struggle with. Mm-hmm. I never feel that I have selected the correct answer. Well, did these questions make you think of anything, John, in particular? Because I thought this was um, actually, um, to my eyes, this was a sort of foolishly transparent um, maneuver that they were doing. Uh, oh, is this related to um, what is it, the the, the 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 personality letters. I forgot what they're called. No, no, no. This is still, this is related to that. Myers Briggs. So is that what um, it is? it's either Myers Briggs or Briggs Myers. I always get the ordering confused. Um, I think it's Myers. That's the whole INTJ or ENFP or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's actually I mean, that's pretty much discredited. People don't really view that as a super legitimate measure of personality. But this is doing the um, sort of more academically accepted measurement of personality, which is the big five. And it's sort of funny because it's, so it's, it's trying to get a measure, um, at, at this point they're trying to get a measure, I'm, I'm sure they're gonna, you know, have some sort of thing where like, these are the, the big five personality traits of people who experience ASMR versus those who don't experience ASMR. Um, okay. And it's just sort of silly because they are literally asking one question per trait in the big five, and it is I mean, so the big five, the, the question three is, um, openness to new experiences. Um, let's see, four is, um, conscientiousness. Five is outgoingness. Is, is outgoingness? What's, whatever the name of that one is. Um, yeah, six is, uh, God, I don't remember the name of that one. Hold on, let's... I am completely unfamiliar with the Big Five, as you call it, so um, it was not so thinly veiled to me. Uh, it was obvious to me that they were trying to get some sense of my personality traits, but um, 
I, I was not. Okay, openness to experience. Actually, and here's the funny thing. Not only are they asking you know, one sort of per thing, they're asking them in the order, the, the sort of canonical ordering of the big five traits. Openness to experience, conscientiousness, okay. extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. So uh, based on the tone of your voice and the sort of uh, skepticism it seems you're taking, uh, I'm guessing that the accepted method for determining the Big Five is not is to, to literally ask, ask people a, single... um, a binary question of where you fall on the Big Five. Uh, I would say no. <laughs> um, that is in, that's not what you do. Um, I mean, all these self-reported things in general, there's a lot of debate over whether or not that's a valid measure to to get someone's personality. You can find things where, like, under similar circumstances, self-reported scores on these sorts of personality tests can be fairly consistent, but um, personality is um, extraordinarily um, vulnerable to change based off of context. So, Yeah, that makes a lot of sense yeah. to me. And also, it's just, I mean, there's, there's the big five, particularly for people who take a lot of surveys and who might know what it is, there's very much a, a positive or negative valence associated with each aspect of the Big Five, where the first four, oh, really? it's it's good, or it's generally positive, to express a high degree of expressiveness in that trait, um, and then neuroticism, it's bad to have a lot of that. Interesting. That's the sort of... I, I, so uh, that is possibly one advantage of uh, Myers-Briggs over... The big five is that. Well, Myers Briggs is just necessarily a. Uh, I, I, maybe it's entirely discredited. I'm just saying that, like, I don't think there's a like positive or yeah. negative side to any of those. The advantage of the big five is that um, they tend to be linked pretty well to external outcomes. So you'll see things like people who report high in neuroticism or particular aspects of neuroticism um, tend to be less intelligent, or they tend to have. Greater difficulty securing employment. Um, you can look at how these different traits link to depression. Um, okay. So yeah, so that's that's sort of the the advantage of that. And then right after we so go, yeah, probably that, a lot more valuable. Um, we basically go into um, a little thing about substance abuse, and then um, thing something basically a. I'd say a screening for mental disorder, but it's more of a disclosure of mental disorder because it's saying, like, you know, I have these. Depression, bipolar, schizophrenia, obsessive-compulsive disorder, anxiety-panic disorder. Wait, wait. So, okay, you're, sorry, so you, you've resumed discussing the, the survey that we actually yeah. took, right? Okay. Well, so, you said uh, something about substance abuse? Yeah, um, or, or, I don't know, at least substance use. Because they talk about yeah, caffeine, I, yeah, I wouldn't call it substance and abuse. cigarettes. But those can be proxies, and those can be used as, as proxies for um, abuse of other substances. Or generally, your, um, your sort of latent inclination for substance abuse. Particularly the alcohol, right. obviously, uh, right? Because, you know, like, seven or more servings of alcohol per week is, is, I think, considered to be a problematic level of drinking. Okay. Um, um, yeah, so... I, I suppose you could take it as a substance abuse section. I, I take it more as just a substance use section, um, because it, yeah, it's the caffeine, alcohol, um, cigarettes, and then I think later on in the next page it also asks about uh, other, like, various forms of narcotics, of, like, recreational narcotics. Mm-hmm. Um, Interestingly enough, but, I like that the, the cigarettes one, I smoke one to seven cigarettes per week. I guess there are people who smoke, who like, you know, they'll smoke when they're drunk, or they'll, they'll only smoke in very particular circumstances. Yeah. 
it is just sort of funny to think that you just have like this cutoff of like seven cigarettes per week or more than seven. Yeah, I, I, that, that, yeah, that's fair. Um, but I, I, I guess just to, to clarify um, your point of or you calling it like a substance abuse section, I think it's important to clarify for the listeners that there's like one, uh, there, there's like it's multiple choice and there are four options, and I think there's like one option that would maybe be considered abuse for some of them. Although eh, I don't know. Like, I wouldn't say that, like, seven, or that, like, more than seven servings of caffeine in a week is caffeine abuse. Yeah. I think that's probably fairly common. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it's, like, I think it's seven plus, and then it's got, like, one to seven, and then sometimes, and then never. So you've got, like, three categories of things that I don't think would necessarily be considered abuse, and then uh, one category that I guess would be... So it, it, seven is considered abuse for alcohol? Oh, I don't know that seven is. Because I think also... Um, oh, well, so it's... Yeah, that, that seems... It's number of drinks per kind week. Kind of low. There's, there's like... Like, Beck's depression inventory is, has something about alcohol. And... It, but that's that might be more focused on binge drinking. Right, because, like, if you're drinking, like, a glass... Like, if you have, like, a glass of, like, wine or beer, or even, like, a whiskey or something, like... You just have like one a night, and then maybe on like Friday or Saturday you have a couple. That's going to put you over seven. Like which, is, like a, a a lot, but it's not unreasonable yeah. to think that someone would do that and be like completely functional in their life. Well, like, certainly, but I'm saying I think like, I, I don't know I many people who drink something that like is every what night. This part of the survey is sort of leading into the. They're probably yeah, no, certainly that, that is I think what it is leading into. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's yeah. fair. Uh, and then yeah, and then we go into mental disorders, um, and then yeah, some uh, like some drug and supplement use. For the mental disorders, I would I also um, would like to identify for the listeners. Um, once again, it sounded like you were uh, pretty skeptical um, of the mental disorder section. One of the questions was literally, like, like what have you been diagnosed with? Well, but there's one so like, specifically like, the question was, what have you been diagnosed with? Uh, I think it was the other one, like, what are you receiving treatment for? And then what do you believe you have but are un- not diagnosed? Yeah, which I, I think those are, like, yeah, fairly things that apply to you. questions. They're reasonable, but, um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's, it's, I guess it's okay in this circumstance. But again, like, you don't measure someone's depression by asking them, do you have depression? Right, but you can, I think is, but uh, this isn't a survey to measure depression. This is, I, I think that in this context, those are reasonable questions. It Like, asking, have you been diagnosed as having depression, I think is a perfectly reasonable question. Yeah. And to ask, and I but think, then like, to say, like, the next question, all the disorders that you think you have, even though you've not been diagnosed with, I don't know. I think that's also a valid question to a certain extent. Perhaps not, like, necessarily in the same way, but I, I think I, I think that like if someone were to think that they have something and also not be diagnosed 
for it is telling in a way. Like, there's certainly information you're gathering from that. There's information that you, you gather from that, but I don't know. Because, I mean, ultimately, you know, ultimately it depends, you know, this data would be problematic if it's collected to some things. It would be fine if it's collected to others. Yeah, I suppose that ultimately we don't know what they're What I would strongly suspect they're doing for. here is they're, they're collecting data to talk about linkages between predilections for mental disorders and um, enjoyment of ASMR. And for that, I don't think that this is super appropriate because – I mean, so yeah, so the, the, the whole diagnose thing, that's fine. That's objective. But what's not objective is you saying that you have depression or saying that you have that's fair. Yes. undiagnosed PTSD or something. And there are measures, you know, there there are um, actual ways that you can elicit that sort of information and, you know, maybe also somewhat problematic, but at least sort of standardized manners, like various um, questions that you ask people right. to try to get inventories of these sorts of things. Um, I guess I'm more willing to give the researchers the benefit of the doubt in this case. Like, I don't, the fact that they have split the questions up makes me think that they are not going to simply take... The fact that they have had X number of people who say they've been diagnosed with depression and Y number of people who say that they think they have depression but have not been diagnosed and then say X plus Y people with depression experience ASMR. Like, I don't know. I mean, but what, I, what are they going to, what are they going to do with the, the section of people who say that they have this but are undiagnosed? That's the, that's the big thing. Like, what are they going to do with that sort of because if they're using it to say people with ASMR are more likely to think that they have undiagnosed depression, that's one thing. If they talk about people who have undiagnosed depression, that's another. Right, that's fair. But yeah, so but you're I, right. In that I think maybe it's a category of like people who think they have undiagnosed, or I guess people who think they have undiagnosed mental disorders could be a category of its own. Yeah, that's a category of its own. It's, yeah, you know, it could be. I, I think it could possibly going back to, like, the, the big five maybe could be linked to, like, neuroses or something. Um, again, not or not really being familiar with the definitions of, but it seems like, I don't know, maybe it would be linked. No, oh, I mean, so, like, uh, there's, there's things like um, uh, high neuroticism is linked to depression. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. So there are then some questions asking to is it for you to give, uh, yeah, like medications and supplements that you're taking, mm-hmm. and then there's some questions. So finally, uh, we get to the questions about ASMR. The the section about um, medications and supplements. Did you feel that that had a specific agenda? Um. Well, no. I mean, that one's that one's. Um. I think that it's going to be used both to sort of cross-link um, people who talk about uh, having depression or anxiety, just like, you know, are they receiving active treatment for that in the form of some sort of, you know, something. And it also might be interesting to see, like, you know, are, are, are people who have ASMR more likely to take certain supplements or something? I don't know. Or are there, are there certain okay. medications that seem to be linked or, like, we're taking them as linked with ASMR? Sort of like correlation things that might be interesting for future research. Because, you know, like, it'd be, yeah. it'd be very cool uh, to say, that, like, that one certainly this is. particular medication, um, if, if you take it, when you take this medication, ASMR is a side effect. Like, that'd be a very cool finding. Right. Yeah. Th- this one was definitely, um, more open-ended than a lot of the others, given that it was not multiple choice. It was just asking you, um, yeah, if you, like, what, uh, over-the-counter medications you take, what prescription medications you take, what um 
dietary supplements, supplements you take. And then I believe this was also the section where it asked you um, what, like, recreational drugs you take mm-hmm. or use. Um, but it, it linked them into, like, pretty broad categories. Uh, I don't remember them off the top of my head. Uh, depressant, um, hallucinogen, stimulant, or other. Okay. Um, yeah, which, like, obviously there are pretty uh, big differences between, like, marijuana and heroin. Nope. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which, I, uh, th- those are both considered depressants, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah, so their examples and, of depressants are marijuana, yeah. codeine, morphine, and heroin. Yeah, obviously, like, not all the same, so... Uh, I don't know that there's a difference. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then some questions about uh, ASMR. So there's one, does listening to music ever give you goosebumps, chills, or tingles? So I guess that one's measuring mm-hmm. frisson. How long yep. have you known about ASMR? My favorite question out of this survey... Um, so, have you ever watched videos as a way to try to experience ASMR? And the options are no, yes, less than 10 times, yes, 10 to 49 times, yes, 50 to 99 times, yes, 100 to 499 times, yes, over 500 times. Yeah, I had some trouble answering this one, because like, I just have no idea. I guess... Sort of. I, I think I ended up answering the like, like forty nine to ninety nine or fifty to ninety nine times answer. Um, it's like I'm relatively new to being aware of ASMR videos, but I feel like I've watched a decent number in that time. I mean, it's really hard to say. I'm really not sure. John, how many ASMR videos does a man watch before he becomes a man? <laughs> The answer is over 500. (laughs) (laughs) And then, um, yeah, have you ever experienced ASMR? Just directly asking it, which is, I think, totally fine here. And then some demographic information. Yeah. Um, And then uh, for people who have experienced ASMR, there were some additional questions. Oh, were there? Okay. I I didn't feel like I was filling this out, honestly, and I have not experienced ASMR. I I was also filling it out, honestly, and I have experienced ASMR. Um, so, well, I, I uh, can't, like, retake the survey. I've got um, it open here. Uh, I found that if you if you take it in an incognito window... Oh, of yeah. course. That makes sense. So select all locations of your body that you feel some type of sensation during a typical ASMR experience. The head, spine, torso, arms, legs, unsure. <laughs> Alright, so I don't think we need to go into full detail about every question and answer, but it asks you a number of questions about uh, about your experience with ASMR. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of... It, it doesn't really ask so much about um, intensity, I guess, but I suppose that's sort of a, a difficult thing to phrase a question around. Um, and it, it is also fairly subjective. Uh, but yeah, it tends to ask more about um, sort of where you experience it, um, the different sort of, I guess, emotions that you would maybe um, associate with it, how you feel after you've experienced it, um, and sort of, and uh, I think there are a number of other things broken down into a couple of different categories. Uh, Ian, maybe you can elaborate if there was something I missed. Oh, there. yeah. So there's um, things like what's your preferred method of experiencing ASMR? How often do you experience ASMR? 
Um, how do you feel ASMR helps you? Um, so things like you know, make you feel more relaxed or sleeping or stuff. And then the demographic information. So sort of, there's a whole hidden part of the survey that I had no idea about. Yeah. Exciting. Uh, so, um... Also, I do wonder how many people yeah. like me have taken the survey and do not experience ASMR. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I guess ultimately, sort of the, the, the maybe problem with this particular episode <laughs> is uh, that we took the survey, we do not know the results of it. Yeah, the I survey. was hoping that at the end of it, it would tell me, like, you know, oh, I'm Monica, or, you know, my favorite, <laughs> maybe, like, my my favorite food is chocolate or something. Um, but it actually just said, thank you for your time. And then I guess my data sort of went into this big pile, which they're going to use to well, Ian, draw some correlational conclusions. I have great news for you. What? You're a Samantha. Wow! Ah, oh, that's great. <laughs> I will say, so I actually do have a little something um, on that end, though. We don't need to wait mm-hmm. for these preliminary results to get presented in London, because I have some results in front of me here. Oh, really? Yeah. So this is I tried to a, find um, this is something which is unrelated to this particular um, uh, survey. It's a different survey that was done. Um, an examination oh. of personality traits associated with autonomous sensory meridian response by Beverly Fredborg, Jim Clark, and Stephen D. Smith. Um, and this was published. <laughs> it feels weird to share results for a different survey. Well, but it's, a, it's another survey that gets at some of the same points that this survey is getting at. This okay. was published in Frontier right. um, Psychology uh, 2017. Did remind me of the song Frontier Psychiatrists, um, but it is unrelated to that. I don't know that I'm familiar with that song. No, uh, a friend of ours in high school was a big fan of it. Well, I'll send you the link to it later. Um, okay. But interestingly, one of the things that they did was um, they looked at... So this is a survey of 290 individuals with ASMR, 290 control group members, um, and they did some things like they, they asked me what was basically the big stimulants for the ASMR people. They also did a um, measure of the big five. And so oh. I can say that maybe you don't want to have ASMR. Does it find that people who have ASMR are um, have more or are more neurosis or higher on the neuroses? Mm-hmm. So I, again, don't know the terminology. Yeah. So Not really on the five, it. on the big five, um, mm-hmm. op- for uh, openness to experience, people with ASMR have elevated levels of that, which is perhaps not is too good. surprising. It's right. good. Yes, that's a good um, trait to have. Okay. It's maybe not too surprising as they are people who are. Um, watching haircut role-playing videos. (laughs) (laughs) But they do also experience um, a a fairly significant decrease in conscientiousness, extroversion, and a more moderate decrease in agreeableness, and a a somewhat sizable increase in neuroticism. So... I, I, I don't know how they found subjects for this particular survey, um, but if it's the same way that um, 
the survey that we took finds subjects. I will say this survey does, does or this, rely... this paper does have a link to the ASMR subreddit. Okay, <laughs> so so it is a survey um, that people had to find on the internet, uh, not on like a necessarily a, a an easy to find place on the internet. So I would suggest that possibly there's a bit of sample bias uh, in that. It's maybe not so much people who experience ASMR, but people who experience ASMR and spend a lot of time sort of on on the subreddit and just sort of on like weird corners of the internet. Now, John, that is a that uh, is I feel a like great amongst uh, those people. Those traits make a lot of yeah, sense. I think that's a that's a very strong point that you're making. I'm, I'm quite serious. Here. I think that's a, a good point. Where actually um, to recruit the control panel, that would be one thing if they were like you know. Oh, they got the ASMR people from the ASMR subreddit, and they got the control people from some other subreddit, or just generally by posting on Reddit. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, they got it via um, Qualtrics panel management, which is basically just a way to recruit survey respondents. Um, that's how they got the control group. That's, or how, that's how they got, how the, they got group. the both groups. They got the they okay. um, got the ASMR group uh, by posting to Reddit. Okay. And so yeah, so, so I think it's it's quite possible that there are some sort of effects going on. I will say the the ASMR as we mentioned um before in this, there's not a lot of academic research that goes on in ASMR. In fact I think when we last talked about this, this hadn't even been published. Um oh, wow. so it's it's still a, a burgeoning field where maybe not the best research is being done. Um <laughs> I just thought that was an but interesting it is point. definitely still interesting to see what it, what research there mm-hmm. is. And uh... also, um, they did a factor analysis um, test, and they looked at like what um, different people, uh, so like what um, people, like what were, what were the triggers that people were most interested in. They looked at I think fourteen different um, triggers, and then what okay. were the factors associated with those triggers. So, like, watching, touching, repetitive sounds, uh, simulations, and mouth sounds. And they found there, there appears to be, like, these sort of distinct groupings of factors that lead into triggers for individuals. Which I thought was kind of interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And do you want to know uh, what the if, most if, if, common... If they provide more information about that, that's something I might want to dive into a little bit more in future episodes. Mm-hmm. Kind of Turns out, whispering is... The most common trigger. That makes sense to me. It's not surprising. Mm -hmm. Also, dentist simulation is one of the triggers that they list, and just seems horrifying. Yeah, I... um, As someone who does experience ASMR and who has been to the dentist, um, I've got to say, I've never experienced ASMR well at the dentist. And actually... Um, my aunt, uh, was a dental hygienist for a long time, until she retired. Um, so for, for, uh, most of my life, I saw my aunt, uh, as my dental hygienist. I still didn't experience ASMR, which, you know, I think, like, that's kind of the sort of ideal scenario, where it's, like, someone that you know and are familiar with, um, but, uh, the, the... I'd say I've experienced maybe more of a, like, fingers-on-a-chalkboard sort of uh, experience. Mm-hmm. 
fingernails on a chalkboard sort of experience at the dentist. Not ASMR. Mm. No, that's not to say you shouldn't go to the dentist. You should be afraid of the dentist, listeners. I am saying you should be afraid of the dentist. Um, They are replacing your teeth with small radios so the government can control your mind. (laughs) Well, I mean, yes, that is that is true, but it's not necessarily a bad. They also they they do prevent cavities. That's you know that part's true. Cavities are bad, but getting mind controlled by teeth radios. I think that's also bad. Now that's a, that's a more controversial statement. What I'm saying, but yeah, I, I'd say it depends who you are and who's controlling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of us, you know, maybe I think are going to live a much happier, healthier lives as a result of it. Uh, it but you no, know, I cannot imagine experiencing ASMR while someone is scraping my teeth because it is just like the worst sound and sensation. It's a terrible sound. It's a terrible. Just way to be. I will say this is a dentist simulation, not going to the dentist itself. But I suppose I just can't imagine anything I want oh, simulated God, it, less than the dentist. Makes me squirm. I like, yeah. like all my dental hygienists, my aunt included, and also not aunt, uh, have I think at some point uh, laughed at me because of how much I squirm while I'm at the mm. dentist. It's just no good. I'm glad that we can agree on that. But yeah, so while I was finding this, there were there were a couple other papers about ASMR that might be interesting to read. Yeah, there's, uh, there's also like a, I remember there were a whole bunch linked to uh, from the Wikipedia article. So there's definitely, I mean, there's not a lot of papers about ASMR, but there's enough that we should explore them a bit more than mm-hmm. we have. We can maybe make a journal. A journal. A journal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can just start publishing our own journal about ASMR. Oh, okay. I thought you. I thought you were referring more like to like a sort of diary oh, type of journal. Yeah, no, we can do that too. <laughs> like, oh, this we can is make a scrapbook paper about ASMR that I read today. We can make a live journal. <laughs> what if, I think live journal still exists. It probably does. God, imagine what it's like to be like a software engineer at Live Journal. <laughs> I, I don't think about that as much as I think about like what it must be to sort of a be a person like, on Live Journal, a corporate. No, no, no. I, uh, just to be like a, a sort of like employee, just like a corporate employee for like a porn website. Mm, yeah, like like they must have like HR people. They must have sort of uh, like um, public outreach, like social media managers. They have software developers. They've got accounting and legal, and just like a bunch of people who are just like. Work in an office, but for, and not, and not for like a company that produces porn, which is a company that like, like Pornhub or, um. Yeah, exactly. It's like, like, I, I think, I especially think about it as a software engineer the most, because that is like what I am familiar with as a profession. And I just imagine like, like, you know, you might, maybe you make some sort of like, uh, like UI change, or you fix some bug or something, and then you're just gonna go and test it. But like, you're just testing. Like, you're just watching porn at work as part of your testing. You know, I'd like to see. I'd like to see a documentary about Pornhub, the making of Pornhub. I, I don't want to see one so much about like. I, I feel like that documentary is mostly going to follow like 
sort of the owner. Oh yeah, no, you're right. I want. I guess sort of the I should dealing. rephrase. I don't want that. I want like a, just a day in the life of a Pornhub employee. Yeah, or just like that's a documentary that I would absolutely. What does the watch. Pornhub office look like on your average day? Like, what are the who are the people who work for Pornhub? What do they do? What are their days look like? Yeah, like like how. Like, like if if you go to Pornhub at any other office, you're probably gonna get fired. But like, they must have to go to it sometimes, just as like part of their job, right? I wonder if they have some sort of like dummy Pornhub that they work that like they test with. Probably, I would or, imagine. Like, yeah, they probably do like and... the majority of their work through like some sort of dummy Pornhub that doesn't have actual porn on it. But I would imagine at a certain point you probably do still have to go on the website. Yeah, I want. Do, do you think they might have just like a couple of videos on the website, like a few test videos? But even so, like if but you yeah, just like, like the front page, if you just and stuff go to like, like the homepage. There's yeah. like maybe you're not necessarily like you, you know you're not like watching it full screen or anything. But, but it's like there. you're still going to see the thumbnails and the the like video titles and everything. Yeah. Huh. Like, I, I just, I think about it, like, probably too much. Like, I'm just so well, curious. Well, here's, here's one thing that I'm I wondering really about now. I really want to know what it's like. Like, they gotta be collecting all sorts of just sort of buck-wild data. Yeah, possibly. I don't know. No I mean, there's like, there were, I remember there was like some sort of BuzzFeedy type things about like the most looked for um, porn terms by state. Right, yeah, so, yeah, presumably Pornhub was the one who collected or some the data, sort of porn one website. of those companies. I, don't, I wonder if they, yeah, it'd be interesting to see, like, what sort of data they collect and what they use that data for. Yeah. I suppose it, it could also maybe, uh, that data could have been gathered from search engines as well, though. Uh, yeah, um, but then I guess it's sort of a little bit of sample bias, because it's just, like, it was probably, like, people who don't know how the internet works, yeah. so, like... Yeah. Grandpa's. Um. <laughs> exactly. Well, so uh, I, you know, I've now had the AC in my apartment off for a good like hour and a half, two hours. Uh, and I am yeah, melting. we've been I'm going. Dying. We we've been going kind of a long time. I think it's probably time to wrap up. Even taking into account the fact that we're cutting out the pilot, I think we did talk about the survey for like an hour. Which, oh god, I don't know how I'm gonna. Like make this episode. Just throw it all away, John. Uh, Just throw it away. We'll we'll, we'll start again new next week. <laughs> uh, listeners, um, thank you for joining us again this week. Uh, please leave us a five star rating and review on iTunes. Please reach out to us and follow us on Twitter at ASMR underscore quest. Uh, you can email us at asmrquesting at gmail dot com, uh, and we. Uh, please tell a friend. Uh, you know, share the podcast with anyone who you think would enjoy it. Um, let us know if there's any sort of ASMR information you'd like us to explore and talk about on the podcast. And we'll uh, talk to you again next week. Thank you, and stay tingly.